You're listening to Object As, a six-part series from the American Craft Podcast supported in part by an award from the National Endowment for the Arts. Subscribe to the American Craft Podcast wherever you listen or visit craftcouncil.org. To find out more about how National Endowment for the Arts grants impacts individuals and communities, visit www.arts.gov. Objects fashioned by craft artists can do more than appeal to the eye and hand. They can speak to our cultural, political, environmental, and social climates. They can comment on today's issues, inspire conversations. They can be acts of rebellion. That's the point of the Object As project for which six artists were chosen by six curators to create works that speak subtly, directly, intimately, publicly about issues that matter to them. On this episode, we're featuring Philadelphia-based artist James Morell, whose work through sculpture, video, photography, and recycled materials investigates the correlation between labor and creativity. Let the conversation begin. Table for my five-year-old. <laughs> oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, right, because you're, are you Multi-use still teaching? Rem- are, you, <laughs> are you still teaching mm-hmm. remotely? No, 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 no not no. by choice. I mean, yeah, that's the, the jury isn't, hasn't finished deliberating yet. I don't know on that one, but I'm teaching, um, yeah, face-to-face. Face to face, double mask, all that good stuff. Hmm. Now, oh, congratulations on your new little one. Do, yeah. Are you home because you get like paternal leave? Mm, not at all. No. I'm a I'm an adjunct instructor, so oh, got it. <laughs> I'm in I'm in lunch break right now. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. What's going on? Oh, mm-hmm. thank you for spending your lunch break with me. That's okay. Um, okay, so let's begin, James, by having you introduce yourself to our listeners. Can you please tell them your full name, your pronouns, and where you currently live and work? Mm-hmm. My name is James Morrell. I live in uh, live and reside in uh, West Philadelphia, PA. Um, he, his, him. Mm-hmm. And are you from Philadelphia? No, I'm not. I'm from the West Coast. Born in oh. Los Angeles. Uh, back and forth, stayed up into the Bay. I claim the Bay. Oh, you claim the Bay. Mm-hmm. Do you miss the weather? Mm, nope. That's no. one of the things. When you're a native, it's like, eh. I mean, it's like kind of like, oh, wow. Do you like living in a postcard? <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I like the seasons. So Philadelphia, um, the, the seasons are, are great, even though it's like shortening up on the snow. But um, I love the snow. Yeah. Well, we're both in Philly listeners. Um, although we have not met in person, but, um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, this week has been a rainy week. Mm -hmm. I do. I would prefer the snow over the rainy cold, but Mm -hmm. I'll take whatever. Mm -hmm. I'm okay. I get it too. I do like, I do like the seasons. Mm -hmm. Um, so you grew up on the West coast. Were you a creative person as like a child into high school? Mm, I was more well. Mm, that that's hard. how can how can how can one define that? Well, I, I guess um, the arts and creativity was something that was um, 
it wasn't frowned upon in my um in my home growing up mm-hmm. uh my, my my father was the first person to put a camera in my hand to document all the family trips and mm. um, still and film camera back in the day when it used to when it used to be film cameras you yeah know, the analog dating, days yeah i'm dating myself you know you take the film to the market <laughs> and it was a kiosk and you would like give it to them and then you know yeah they would get it developed and then you put it on a projector so, oh, you remember the good old days of one hour photo yeah oh, i miss that like now Magic. if i have a disposable it takes like a week i'm like oh we had it so good for a little while right yeah it's like you lose the magic that that it's now it's digital you can see your mistakes right away you can't like really think about them and and dream or try to like this capturing of like memory and like spirit anymore it's kind of yeah. almost like the album cover art you know if you go to a record store or a j card or a cd you get to read the liners and things like that to have this like immersive like um conversation with the artist in a way but that's kind of like slipped away Oh man, you're getting me all nostalgic about that. Yes, I agree. (laughs) Or sometimes the artists would do like, they would like slip weird things in the liner Mm -hmm. notes or things like that. And you felt so cool when you had like seen it and been able to call it out. Exactly. Ah. Mm. Were your parents artists? What did Mm. they do? Yeah, they weren't artists, but I feel, well, well, yes, my parents um, were artists. My my mom, uh, she... Uh, as a singer, oh. uh, um, gospel, and she's also um, uh, a dietitian. And mm-hmm. my, my dad was um, an architect, so they were artists in their way, but not like fi- fine artists in, in the way that I'm attempting to be. <laughs> yeah, when you went to school, or do you, you have a degree? Yes, I do. Yeah, I yeah. hold a degree in. Um, a BFA in film and design and technology and uh, MFA um, and that um, undergrad was um, the San Francisco Institute and uh, my um, graduate school uh, University of Pennsylvania here in uh, here in West Philly. Oh, okay. So that's kind of mm-hmm. how you ended up in Philadelphia, probably yep. grad school and just never left. <laughs> I drove, I wasn't going to, me and my wife, we, we drove through all that red. I saw America. Yeah. And, um, it was amazing. We yeah. got we received one ticket, and I think it was the San Mateo San Rafael Bridge. One last ticket before we left San Francisco, but um, me and my wife we were always like laughing about it. It's like, yeah, we moved to Philadelphia. You know, we we moved into the housing market <laughs> because mm-hmm. San Francisco nada. Yeah, mm-hmm. I yeah. feel you on that. I mm-hmm. I lived in Seattle prior to Philly, and it was getting to be they were calling it the next san francisco and i was like okay time to leave here it is that's a hit and a half (laughs) um okay so with those degrees how do you describe yourself do you call yourself an artist what do you Mm -hmm. call your practice or practice i'm i'm in Ooh, yeah uh well i i guess i guess i i feel the grad school was a, a big pivot for me um i ended the program uh video art film okay and i just started to make objects it was a departure um a uh a a leap of faith if you will Mm -hmm. and uh i just started making objects i didn't want to make video art anymore and that grew and uh, i'm still cultivating and nurturing but um to call oneself from one's practice 
um, not until the last, maybe the last couple of years or so, um, I'm a builder. I come from a mm -hmm. trades, craft type building uh, family. Uh, my dad's a builder. My, my granddad's, uh, he was a master plumber and his father. Uh, my dad didn't want to learn the trade of plumbing. I mean, he didn't want to be a plumber. Yeah. Uh, but he, he was taught the trade. Um, he wanted to be an architect and my dad, you know, wanted me to be an architect and son. Um, yeah. he taught me architecture and plumbing and I didn't want to do either, <laughs> but, <laughs> but the materials that I use are so building architecture, plumbing materials. So mm -hmm. they, uh, they are great artists, um, but they weren't born at the right time as yeah. myself. So now I'm. You know, they're probably looking at me and it's like, oh, I could have, that's what I was doing, but I wasn't getting paid to do it and just talk about it and artsy fartsy. But, you know, yeah, it's real. Mm -hmm. And that's what it is. So builder, now, I, I feel because I've um, made a few marble pieces and I'm still learning the materials, but um, I guess now I can start calling myself um, a sculptor. I was going to say a sculptor, huh? Yeah. yeah. So sculptor builder. <laughs> so you mentioned the beginning of the conversation that you're an adjunct professor. Um, yes. And that kind of is what you're doing full time right now outside of like making and. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, I'm not a, yeah, I'm not, I'm not making at the moment. Um, my studio space was swallowed up. I guess it's going to be um, some condos or something. Oh, but um, last year, yeah, I, I was, uh, yeah. That was last year. It was a really nice space. Um, I had a solo show at the Q, and two days before, actually it was three days before, the um, the gallery or, or the foundation, the art um, handlers came to pick up all of my work for the show. Um, I received an email to um, get all my stuff out and turn in the keys. <laughs> Like, oh, that's nice. <laughs> Congratulations on your show. Get out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, I barely made it. So when I tell folks like, yeah, so James, is, no, it's awesome show. And I was like, yeah, it almost didn't happen. <laughs> like, also, can you buy it? Because I have nowhere yeah. to put this work after this. <laughs> exactly. The storage is almost to the roof. Oh, wow. Is, you know, it's kind of in my studio. But yeah, my, mm -hmm. my, my practice um, works on paper and video at the moment. Yeah. Um, still collecting a lot of materials from off the street of Philadelphia, mm -hmm. which is the abundance and, you know, the gifts that I receive um, from West Philadelphia and around the city. And also a shout out to the folks at Rare, um, Mr. Billy Dufala, who makes sure I stay and I, I stay in the game with um, materials to uh, work with. So. He's, he's definitely my brother. For yeah. those listening, um, can you describe what Rare is? Because it took me a few years living in Philly to have it come mm -hmm. across. And it's mm -hmm. such an amazing place. I have not had much to do with it, but please describe. Yeah. Ooh, let me see. I hope I do it justice. Okay. Rare is a place <laughs> where uh, the, the, the tri-state area, um, demos, you know, any type of like any structural or anything that will go to like a landfill, but before it goes to a landfill, it will go to rare. And they also do like biofuel and there's mountains and mountains of like stuff. To me, it's like, it's heaven. Cause 
you know, chairs and dresses and all kinds of things um, run through there. Pieces of crown molding or... Just just... anything and everything. Um, It's it's a, a beautiful place and environment to be for a creative person because there's just so much that you can gather and pick pick through you can go through the yards and you know i need a you know a base of a christmas tree from the 1970s and billy's like you know what i think i have that someplace in- <laughs> <laughs> like, like give me a wow. minute <laughs> so it's um it, it, it's an amazing place but it's also a um a place of loss and the reason mm-hmm. why i say a place of loss because you're pretty much going through or looking through ephemera and materials of someone's life and the things that I've seen there it's something that I uh, it'll always hold it will always hold a um a place I found doughboy wraps from and, and medals from a service person from the first world war and wow. now it yeah and uh, love letters you know correspondence you know mm-hmm. that i you know it's this you know um what a portrait of a the 1940s portrait of a a new uh, uh, a bride with a tire yeah. mark going across it and it's like wow so that didn't last very long i, I stayed out of the yard picking through stuff because it's um it's the thing but Mm-hmm. I, I realized that wasn't for me, so Billy did all the picking for me. I, yeah, I mean, that deep. would be hard to see some of that stuff, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because you're like, well, where is my stuff going to end up being here? And do I really want stuff to be there? So I think about that a lot because I had to clean out both my parents' house. And mm. there's this weird thing where you can't keep everything. It's no. not possible. And no, then you not. feel really weird. Like, I gave my mom's wedding dress to goodwill, but I kept her veil, you know, you can't keep everything, but then someone probably saw her like perfectly. Um, you know, when back in the day, I feel like people get married and then they'd have their wedding dresses, like professionally cleaned and then put in these like archival boxes. And I just put the whole box in there. Um, and I'm sure somebody found that and thought it was like the most incredible treasure, but then also exactly. was like, what, why is this right. here? Right. Mm-hmm. But it, it continues on. It jumps that energy kind of like jumps like a cur- like a, a current will mm-hmm. jump out and, and it'll it'll splinter to another right a lineage but yeah. it's still a continuum and so it, it's something that it will never uh it will keep it will it will keep like circulating it'll keep begatting right but mm-hmm. it won't be the the namesake but it will generate new namesakes and new lives which i i feel is really it's really beautiful James, I, this is only the second time I've ever had a conversation with you, but what strikes me about you is that you seem very tied to memories and ephemera, and mm-hmm. which is also tied to the piece, the object that you made that we're going to discuss today, um, mm-hmm. which I really like because I like mm-hmm. the stories behind objects and like and discovering those um, and ruminating on them. Mm-hmm. Okay, so for this project, it's made out of wood. Oh, also, mm-hmm. so the curator that nominated you for this um, was Jennifer Nava Milliken. I actually mm-hmm. know her. Hi, Jennifer. Awesome. 
She mm-hmm. is the director for the Center for Art and Wood here in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Um, she's also a huge lover of contemporary art jewelry. So that's why I tend to have those conversations mm-hmm. with her. Um, so your piece is made um, from wood. Now, that was it reclaimed wood off the streets of Philadelphia or et cetera? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Uh, re- um, what was what? Like, did you get it at Rare? No, 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 no. Um, no. I'm trying to remember. It's like so, so many. Um, sorry for the repeated nose. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like it. You know, sometimes you got to feel those awkward silences. Go for it. <laughs> it um, the, the, those are, it was building materials. Um, yeah. Just um, red oak out of Home Depot. Mm-hmm. And uh, bamboo um, toothpicks from one of the um, Asian stores in South Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Um, butcher's twine okay. and a handle that it didn't actually, that was an eBay buy. Um, I wanted axe handles. I'm going through hmm. this thing with axe handles and the history of axe handles. Um, a piece I've been thinking about a long time, actually in grad school, but I just haven't had the economic, just the resources just to create or make the piece. Yeah. But I, I bought two. And from the picture, this is the thing about eBay. It's like, it's awesome. Oh, yeah. Right. But people are really kind of slippery in how they photograph things. Mm-hmm. And... <laughs> <laughs> The, the the handle part was great, but they didn't photograph the part where at the end where the axe handle, the axe has to actually, you know, be mounted yeah. and it has an angle to it. And wow. I'm like, you didn't take a picture of this huh. and it's bent, but it made me think about the cricket bag bat and how the the posture or the angle um that's embedded in this the what is the historical word for um the the willow tree mm. and it germinated from me purchasing something that wasn't what i initially wanted but the universe said no james this is how it's supposed to be and i went from there and i bought i bought two i still have to make one actually there's one right here one of my, one oh, is this one the this one of the parts of? Yeah. Oh, okay. You see, it's oh. kind of it's it's kind of bent. So I'm gonna make two, and um, one for the um for the center for Nava. I just haven't had a chance to make it yet. I'm making one for her. So as our conversation meanders, which is what I prefer, um, listeners, now there is a there is a link in the description of the podcast because. Obviously, our conversation is going to focus around an object and that conversation. Um, so you can click on that link and see a photo of James's piece as we discuss these kind of different aspects of it. Um, and then one really quick question. So do you, you're nominated by Jennifer for Center for Art and Wood. You're obviously an um, interdisciplinary artist. You work in a lot of different ways. Um, what is your connection to Jennifer? Oh, my connection to Jennifer, um, I don't know. Are you going to ask her this? Is she going to be interviewed also for a podcast? She isn't. You know, 
Okay. We're not interviewing the curators, but so that's okay. kind of what I wanted to ask everyone how they knew or their connection to okay. the curators. Yeah, because it would have been interesting to hear hear her take on how we actually <laughs> met because she was the catalyst of us actually meeting. Um, even though I'm talking to you, you know, maybe if there was one more person, but if it's like three or four, I kind of clam up. I'm kind of closed mouth. Mm. Um, so it was, I met Jennifer, um, I, I met her at a, uh, a Q&A after the African, um, African American Museum in um, Philadelphia. It was a Q&A because I wasn't a part of a group show there. Okay. And after the questions were answered and everything, and I just I was just kind of sitting in my seat deciding where I was going to, if I was going to go home or get something to eat or I don't know. <laughs> but she <laughs> she strolled up and just walked and, you know, kind of, you know, in the Jennifer way. And she's like, like, hi, how, how, how are you? know, and she talked to me mm -hmm. and, you know, I was like, who is this person? Like years later, we laugh about it and talk about it. Right. And she's like, yeah, yeah James, you were really guarded. And then I'm like, yeah, that's that's pretty much me. <laughs> I didn't know who you who you were. Yeah. But now that we know each other, it's like, you know, I, I adore Jennifer and she's such an amazing person. And um, I'm so honored and humbled that she she nominated me for something like this. But that yeah. that's how we met. She 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 uh, knew that she had to approach me to, to get in, you know, to start a conversation because I pretty mm -hmm. much wouldn't because I'm, I'm just kind of, I'm just talking. Let me just, you know what? I'm shy. I'm a shy and inward person. <laughs> there you go. There you said <laughs> and, it. And, and there you go. That's what I said. It. So that's, so there, that's it. <laughs> I yeah. mean, listeners, even from our, I do pre-interviews with everybody. So I did a pre-interview with you a few months ago, James, and even your energy from the pre-interview to now, there seems like a little bit more comfort. I love it. Mm -hmm. It's more, it's t two. You know, I, I get better, I get better in time. <laughs> yeah, you're like a fine line. <laughs> um, so your object, can you, mm -hmm. the point of our conversation, I want to mm -hmm. say I really enjoyed reading your statement. Um, mm -hmm. I Thank really you. enjoy the way that you write and how you described mm -hmm. this piece. Mm -hmm. um, and can you, for listeners, Tell them the title of your object. Yes, um, the title. The title of the object is a it's a play on words because I, I try to think that I'm clever, but you know I'm <laughs> really not. Um, maroons did brack. You know, um, yeah, ed. Uh, maroons, marooned, uh, maroon, marooned. Mm -hmm. um, the color, the people, the action. Um, and for those who might not be aware, um, mm. I, I know the color maroon. Um, mm. Can you describe the what it means marooned and also mm. the people? Mm. Yes, absolutely. Let's see what Marion uh, <laughs> Webster says. Uh, okay. I googled it Ma multiple times. Right? <laughs> maroon. It's a verb, right? Okay. Leave okay. someone trapped and isolated in an accessible, inaccessible place, especially an island. That's uh okay, okay. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh so that that's maroon. Mar maroon is a color. Mm -hmm. The maroons is something it's not something, it, it's it's a people who have escaped or asserted their agency 
um, either on an island or from a place of captivity. Okay. Um, usually indigenous folks of the islands are, are descendants of, uh, I call it, uh, I call people Afro-diasporic people. Afro-diasporic people. Okay. Mm-hmm. And with your statement, you begin that saying this place holds a special place in your childhood imagination. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. can you describe that further? Yes, absolutely. The first time I ever saw cricket is during one of the meets or championships, world championships. Um, the Maroons, West Indian folk who are in the islands, and I saw it as a as a child, and um, with my dad, and um, how my um, dad described it or, or how he it, um, described it to me um, was was like uh, I'm gonna, I'm going to try to channel my my father. Hey, Jimbo, let's watch these brothers throw this ball and hit it with this thing. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Can't wait and for your dad I'm, to hear this. You know, and uh, I'm like, okay, daddy. You know. Yeah. And I saw cricket for the first time. Mm-hmm. And I, I saw these these gradient of, of, of men of the diaspora, right? Mm-hmm. dancing around in all white wearing my, my second favorite color my first favorite color is, gro- is green and my second favorite is maroon merlot any type of that deep that deep deep color mm-hmm. right red the variations yeah it's mm-hmm. just you know mauve you know these yeah that and they're dancing on this circular sea of of, of green and they're running and jumping and sprinting and throwing and all of these things. I'm, I'm like, I mean, I'm a kid living in, I mean, Los Angeles. I didn't know what this was, mm-hmm. but I knew that it was fun and I wanted to, to, I watched it. I didn't understand the game. Neither did my dad, but it was yeah. just the point that something, he, my, my parents always brought something new in, in, into my, my, my life like the arts or performance or, you know, dietary things. And it's just, but watching that with my dad and having that moment and to reflect on making work about it, but to really dredge, not just my, my, to dredge what these histories are, but the history on how I was, um, directed or, or the meeting point of where it started in in memory and why did I go there and how did I go there to process to make the work mm-hmm. and it was it was just a moment and we didn't even watch the whole thing because my dad got up and did something else but got bored oh so this wasn't the beginning of your love of cricket no <laughs> wasn't not at all I'm it's not just like gonna, a oh. yeah it was just, it was something that I actually thought, I actually, my, honestly, what I thought that it was, I yeah. thought it was an outdoor, uh, uh, outdoor version of like Alvin Ailey, because I was exposed to Alvin Ailey as a young child. So, but it, that's what it looked like to me. It I was don't know what dancing. Alvin Ailey is. Al- oh. Alvin Ailey dance troupe. It's just, it, I, you know, I'm not an art historian or a dance historian, but all yeah. uh, I, I've 
you know, I, I, I'm not Dr. Henry Louis Gates, you know, not at all. Um, mm -hmm. It's a dance troupe for, for, for black folks who started on the West Coast of New York. And Alvin Ailey is, is, is historically this amazing person where, you know, black bodies in space, black bodies outside of the, um, the canon of European ballet and okay. the expression and the celebration thereof. And that's something I got, I was exposed to at a, at a young age. And, um, that has been a continuum, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and it's something that how I entered, how I entered cricket what was a dance. Cause I really, I really, as a kid, I, I think I was maybe four oh, when, yeah. I, You're when so, that happened, yeah. you know, so it's just, they were flying. So I'm like flying, dancing, you know, and white and, and loose things. And, and, and it's, you know, and then this, this gradient of, 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 of blackness, right? Because it's just mm -hmm. not, oh, African black and then West Indian black, right? And then there's like Hindu Indian, you know, Trinidadian and like, you know, all this mixture of people that were represented, you know, in the Maroons. And it's also mm -hmm. a, a, docu um, a documentary about, this time period when they just reign supreme on the cricket field. And it's something that I always look at as a dance or a, a beautiful dance. And um, that's how I just developed the work, you know, through eBay, a mistake, someone shenanigans into something. <laughs> Sometimes mistakes are the best things. Me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you start at this memory and I, as someone who you, was shared your statement and then an image of the piece. Also, I would have never thought that the pieces in it, I, listeners, I would describe it as it looks like a paddle. I mean, I don't know cricket well enough to say if it looks like a cricket paddle. Mm -hmm. um, were you going for that? It looks like a tool of some sort and you do describe it as a tool. Yes, it is. It is a tool. It, it is a tool. Okay. It, it's, you know, now, see, this is the thing. <laughs> yes. Uh, 2015, I ran, I, I didn't run into, I, I came into contact with Mr. Theaster Gates and mm -hmm. he placed my work in, he like up until this interaction with him and he said, James, you're, you're making, you know, you're making tools and these, in these markers to people that don't, that used to exist, but they're coming back into existence and you're setting a place for them and you're making these tools for them so they can fall right in line to their, their past, which is the future and the going forward and modernity. And I was just, what? <laughs> Would you have thought yourself that you were looking at your objects as tools or did that, was that very enlightening for you? It, it was the conversation because I was thinking, I'm thinking about, yes, tools, making tools, but not in the way that he described it when it had this weight, yeah. right? It had this weight. And I was coming, this, this was at Skowhegan. And, and the, the, the thing is, is that I, I just exited grad school. Mm -hmm. But the conversations that I had there with folks that nine weeks it set it off. It set me, it slingshotted me into where, what's happening, like full bodied, what's happening like now, but mm. tools. Yes, it, it, it is a, it is a tool, but I don't know if you can clearly define it because it's a multi-tool. Right. And you also 
described it simultaneously. You say simultaneously multifunctional and dysfunctional. Exactly. Hmm. It's, it, it's the, the dysfunction is <laughs> knowing it, it's, I go through this with, with um, with my, my students, um, you, nature will find a way and, but human, human beings will also find a way. But once they realize that there's no such thing as perfection, what we're seeing is our in imperfections manifest. And that's what this great understanding of self, right. And this, this, this beautiful creation or, or process that we're going through just work like a patchwork you know a little bit of gabardine a little bit of you know linen and you know a, a bag or whatever but it's, it's a process there are pieces to ourselves so when you're dealing with ob- what i feel when, I, when i'm dealing with objects and and tools what is this functional right so i say well it's not it's not dysfunctional to me but I mean, it's not functional to me, but it's a possibility it can be dysfunctional to a person who hasn't like lived yet. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Or certain tools like w- with my students, like, well, you're using a tool that is not meant to do Dude. this. Mm-hmm. Right. So the gestures is some type of dysfunction. But if you look at the gestures made by a tool, that you're resurfacing it as something else, then you're creating like a different language or a new language. And to understand that language, it takes openness and a process of, of just, just giving yourself to this possible new language that no one really understands. And so the ride is like, whoa, this is scary. It's like going on, like you're on a roller coaster and some people like hold their hands up, which I never do because I'm afraid to fly out but Ooh, I'm just holding on up. for Dilla. Yeah. See, <laughs> no, <laughs> so it's, um, it's, it, it, it's both. Um, it's also an, or, I don't know if maybe. I did think it looked like a little bit of an or shape. Yeah. Yeah. I was on crew I, in college. Yes, a- absolutely. But it's still a situation. It's like, wow, well, who is, is this for a giant? I don't know. Mm. <laughs> Cause it's kind of big. Right. Imagine if you will, in 25 years, this piece ends up in a place like rare mm-hmm. and someone comes mm-hmm. upon it and finds it like. It's a, dis- mm-hmm. it's a discovery. I'm, I'm like, mm-hmm. that's so, it's funny that you um say that because I, I'm this whole thing of excav- ex- excavating, right. Mm-hmm. And coring and terraforming right like the 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 omac indians in central you know america right these great big giant heads they're just they keep discovering them i I would love to make public work that is 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 buried and then found and then found hundreds of years later the mindfulness of something like that knowing that you're not going to be there's no way that you're going to take any you can't celebrate what you've actually done because your cell your celebration is is gonna it's not it isn't gonna recognize you in your lifetime maybe in a different form yeah you take witness but it's something that i, mean, I don't know like why, how do we make mm-hmm. something that others are going to enjoy and not our ourselves right this whole se- yeah. like a selfless act into the future i mean that's kind of hella ego driven but it's still something of like 
childhood wonder where I'm like, ooh, look what I found. I found some marbles. I found a key. <laughs> I mean, I honestly thought, and this relates back to what your father did, but like, you know, when you tear open a wall and you find stuff within there? Oh my gosh. Do you think Absolutely. your father has like hidden things in walls as like oh, yeah. buildings he's constructed were being built? Oh yeah. How fun it, is that? It's hella fun, but it's also like really scary. My dad used to scare the fucking shit, part of my language. He used to scare the shit out of me. Um, my dad would come at me like, you know, buildings have a spirit. It's a living space. They do though. Yeah, but that's not something you tell a three-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good point. Wow, like, dad. <laughs> like right where we're about to go in this dark-ass basement. <laughs> in oh man, basements still scare me. I'm 36 year old, and I exactly. still will, don't want to go into basements by myself. That was my job in the basement or in the Eek. attic. And my dad Eek. was like, "Okay, Jim, where the where the runners like? How is it? Is it north or left?" Right. My dad would like, and I'm like, in like you know spider webs and you're tiny enough to push through the crawl space wow exactly itching from the insulation you know thanks dad (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) so this object it's Mm. with the significance of it uh, you you said something or you wrote something about creating a tool that embodies sport escapism Mm. or self-defense Um, or at some point I remember you you talk about your captors. Mm. Can you go into that a little bit more? Yes. Captors. Um, let's see what, let's see what the dictionary says about captain. Definition of captor. Mm -hmm. One that has captured a person or a thing. So I captured or embodied. What what did we go back to the object? Right. Um, the spirit right what did this what what did i capture with the spirit of this object um sport dance you know this 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 attempt of it of it escape yeah a physical one or, or or a spiritual escape you know to protect oneself to be guarded this is something this is a defensive tool you know, if, if so, for what and from whom? Self or yeah. others? It looks, um, I hate, I mean, this is what came to my mind. It like violence came in my mind when I look at it, right? Because mm. this tool also looks kind of like a weapon simultaneously. Absolutely. But if yeah. you turn it on its side, then it looks like a giant, giant toothbrush. <laughs> that was that's the first Sorry. Thing, you know no that's what i said i i that was the that was the silly there's some certain people that look at my work and they they can see they, they tell me like james you're like you have a really funny like dark sense of humor but you have a lot of like um like traps that are there that people you you're thinking that people are you try to make people think this and it's something else and then it becomes funny right yeah. But if you turn it on its side, yeah, it looks like a toothbrush. But you know what I was really thinking about? Yeah. <laughs> Angel hair pasta. <laughs> wow. Listeners, the if you press. haven't stopped and clicked on that link yet, click on it right now. Well, because, okay, I didn't realize that. The bamboo toothpicks kind of exactly. look like angel hair pasta. Okay. Mm-hmm. There it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that's that's it. It isn't, it isn't magic. It's just some, you know, it, it's just something that... Uh, once again, just the multi purpose, right? Something you you can't you can't really throw it away, 
because you know that it's for something. So it'll just mm-hmm. sit and it may sit a week, a month, years, decades, right? Mm-hmm. It may even go into the <laughs> go into the trash, right? Yeah. But sometimes these things come come back full circle in our lives and or if we made that decision to throw away and then that moment when you need it and you're like, oh that's what that was for. And then you try to find it again and they don't make them anymore. Oh, yeah. It's just gone. Uh, right. So your moment is yeah, over. Yeah. So therefore, it makes you really think and be mindful, you know, and understand when the universe is winking at you to really pay attention to things that go on in your life. Mm-hmm. Mm. That moment, that that now moment. Right. Oh, thank you for invoking that memory for me when I met this really old metalsmith and there was this tool sale and there was all these, you know, they're kind of rusted and old and as mm. a beginning metalsmith, I'm looking for through it and I have no idea what these things are used for. Mm. And then this man, this gentleman would come up to me and he's like, Oh, this is what this is for. And like, I would just mm-hmm. light up. Like I could have, I had no idea what it was for. And then the moment he showed me, I was like, Oh my God, there's a thing for that. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't even figure it out by looking at it. That's right. a fun moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. A couple of months ago, I just realized that I I had a cobbler's hammer. Oh. That I found at Rare. And I was like, this is the most, this is the strangest, his hammer, right? What, what is a like, cobbler's what? hammer different like? Is it in the head of the hammer? It's the head of the hammer. Yeah. Is it very narrow? <laughs> it's flat, like maybe like a silver dollar. Okay. And it's maybe like an eighth of an inch like thick and it has a shape right and I said man this is I didn't know it until it was time for me like to stretch some canvas and they have like a certain hammer you know and like the little tools that and I'm like oh let me use this I'm like wow this really looks great and then I was on I was like what it was YouTube and it's this one cat I can't remember his name excuse me it's one Latino brother that lives in Los Angeles and he just resoles shoes. He preserves shoes. I can't remember oh, I his that. name, but I've watched hours. Of, I should remember. Oh, that's horrible. That's okay. Um, but he had the same hammer. <laughs> and you're like, like oh. oh my God, this is it. And I'm like, oh, I'm so happy. So it also made me think like, okay, once again, tools, artisanship, mm-hmm. right? Something that has been passed down. You can't go to school for it. You can't, you know, it, it's something that, it's it's spoken it's it's through translation of of language that has passed down from generation to generation by actually like doing and these are the tools for that and it goes back full circle with my dad like hey jimbo respect my tools my granddad Mm -hmm. respect my tools respect your hands those things that I still live to this day with both of them because I was around them the, the most growing up as a child. And my re- work reflects both of them. It's it's crazy. But yeah, tools. That It's a tools. tool. Yeah. They're important. Tools. It's interesting. Important. I, I have random tools that I've kept dear to me from my father and my grandfather as well. It's, they're objects that should be coveted. Mm. Mm-hmm. it's serious i've i've um my my partner her um her grandfather i'm 
uh, I've been I'm, I'm I've been past his tools, and he built like homes and the homes that her her grandmother and also her mother lives in now by his hand. He was like just a Japanese oh, artist. Wow. So all of these tools, I they're like mine now, and they're on the island of of Japan. And like he has these like amazing like whale tail saw. It's like this huge like saw all by hand, right? It looks exactly yeah. what it sounds like, and <laughs> <laughs> like oh my god, you're cutting logs by hand. Yeah, like, there's no like vr, vr, no, it's none of that. It's like. Right. It's like those old school pictures <laughs> in the redwoods where there's like two guys on either side. Exactly. So, oh, wow. so it's, it's, it's the, the I, th- I feel that it started. Yeah. When I was a, a child, have, having the tools, the same thing with the pencil, right? Even though I have horrible penmanship, mm-hmm. but I love, love pencils and, and, and drawing and um, sketching but it's but making objects or this object in, in particular it's like it, it's it's a sketch it is it wasn't a physical sketch in a journal it was a sketch that had been it that that germinated out of something you know that uh i thought was the wrong move or the wrong purchase or something happened and then it it grew and i let it grow and i listened to what it was saying to me at the beginning stages so objects are making objects a sculpture it's um what is it uh, uh, my my mentor uh at grad school for a short period of time terry atkins he he would always say know your materials mm-hmm. and and i i finally understood i know what he um, meant by that is to know them live with them listen to them be them never try to uh con- control them because you will get a lesson like you've never got <laughs> before and that's mm-hmm. a guaranteed fact you will be humbled by it and um that's what this piece is um to me and it's continued to grow and i'm gonna make another one it won't be an exact copy yeah um, I may continue to make a few more and then that will be it. Well, I can't wait to see those future iterations. And also, you know, maybe the eBay guy did you a favor by selling you something that they misrepresented. (laughs) Yeah. You know, made it better somehow. Oh, the intent of that is like, I just want to sell this because I, because I messed up making it, but maybe if I don't show all of it, I can still sell them. Yeah. And he did. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. You got me for two. That's for sure. Oh, that's fun. Um, James, it has been an absolute pleasure discussing your tool, awesome. your object. Thank you. Is there anything you want to say to listeners before we wrap things up? Yeah, I can't believe that, you know, if you actually listen to the whole thing, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate it. You hear me like ramble on about my theories or whatever, my my parts of my life and what I think not actually thinking what i i feel and believe what this um this whole thing of being a sculptor sculptor or making sculptures and objects you know um hopefully uh no no, no one is as uh I'm, I'm standing on the shoulders of 
and the support mm -hmm. like yourself um, having, you know, this, this forum where I can speak and talk about my um, work in this type of, you know, conversation. Yeah. Right. And um, I'm just, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm happy and honored that I'm given the opportunity to, to do it. That's it. So, yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening. Yeah. Oh, James, thank you. All right, listeners. Well, by the time, hopefully by the time you hear this, maybe not, um, in conjunction with this special podcast series by the American Craft Council, um, the magazine will feature images of the pieces and the full statements. And you must, must, must read James's words because he is a wonderful writer as he is interviewee. <laughs> All right, James, <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you. The Object As series is hosted and produced by me, Sarah Rachel Brown of the Perceived Value Podcast in collaboration with the American Craft Council and supported in part by an award from the National Endowment for the Arts. Subscribe to the American Craft Podcast wherever you listen and follow us on social media at Craft Council. This program and many like it are supported in part by our members. You can support future programs and the American Craft Council by becoming a member yourself. Go to craftcouncil.org slash join to learn more. Thank you for being a part of the conversations.